Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hi, everyone. This is Event Brew, and my name is Nick Borelli from Borelli Strategies, and I'm joined with two other Brew Crew members today, including... Hey, everybody. This is Dustin Westling with One West Events in Canada. And this is Tui Deep with PRA Business Events in North America. And Will's not with us today, unfortunately, because he says he lacks empathy, uh, which... Uh, is the focus of what we're talking about today. So unfortunately, um, you know, we don't, he didn't really have anything to add uh, to the conversation around here. No, we're just joking. He, uh, uh, we're trying to burn. Not, burn. not be empathetic around a, yeah, a guy that lives in an, uh, an airport seemingly. Um, if you don't have empathy for that, then um, you, you haven't spent enough time in an airport. Uh, but as always, we, we try to get into uh, what we are drinking prior to, and sometimes there's little clues as to why we answer the way we answer based on what we're drinking. Uh, and that's why I'd like to go last. Hmm. Tui, what's up? What are you drinking today? Well, I'm usually always drinking tea, but this time I was in a little bit of a rush, and so I just grabbed my Trader Joe's sparkling water, mm. and I've come to the conclusion in this lifetime of mine that I just love sparkling water. I'm not a flat water drinker if I had to choose, so that's what I'm drinking. What about you, Dustin? Well, I'm drinking sparkling water, too. I feel like no way, like, twins. We're, we're brew crew twins today. I got my soda stream bottle, and I am drinking some good old Canadian H2O. I uh I prefer sparkling to still as well. Um, That's I usually prefer like a dump of chemicals in addition to the sparkling aspect. But um, yeah, <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. I'm just having simple lemonade today. Simple lemonade. Well, I shouldn't say it's simple. It's uh, Game Fuel Zero's charged raspberry lemonade, mm-hmm. which uh, addresses alertness. And there's an asterisk next to that and accuracy and there's an asterisk next to that so i'm sure those asterisks would probably have some kind of uh note in fine print that are probably really good for me so i'm just gonna I, take that as assumption and move on i'm sure it's not. hopefully it's all natural and <laughs> organic i was like yes i have faith in you nick oh no there's <laughs> a not a better not a lemon to be found in this monstrosity it just came out though it's, it's brand new it says new on it so that's good who uh yeah so if you have empathy for people with uh, uh addictive personalities uh you can uh, you can definitely relate to myself unfortunately i do lots of things that uh, i know are bad for me and i continue to do them because things are outside of my control that is uh what uh that that kind of person is and if you if you've ever experienced that it's the reason why when i see people or hear stories of people with like a drug addiction stories and mine is nowhere near as harrowing. I mean, I'm not trying to like do a one-to-one comparison. I don't think that's what empathy really is. Uh, but at least I can understand make the consistency of making bad choices, uh, you know, that, that you don't necessarily believe in or know that are not great for you um, and find yourself doing it. 
things like that, I think, are, are, are windows into this concept of uh, empathy. Is that a transition? Perfect way, perfect way to kick yeah. it off. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, empathy. Um, I, I look at events as, you know, uh, I really latched on to the idea of this uh, uh, intentionally designed experiences as, as a definition of, of what they are. Uh, and they exist to create behavioral change as far as I believe. Um, and then that's kind of changing someone from a state into a different state. And that that requires you to have a deep understanding of what the initial state is. You know, what's that what's that environment? How does that person experience the world? Um, what are their what are their um, uniquenesses to them? And then when you design something, uh, be it the uh, strategy, um, the design phase or the execution phase, you should have an awareness uh, of your audience and and all of their eccentricities, because without that, um, you find that you're only resonating with some people and you're missing out on lots of opportunities. Um, and and also like you, you might just be talking to yourself. And I think that this is something that where I uh, I look at a lot of event planners and I think that one of the reasons that I think that their empathy isn't as developed is because their intellectual skills are, are actually really developed um, with the amount of things that they have to know how to do. Uh, the practical, the strategic, like there's so much asked of them that they, you know, rightfully so believe that they're pretty smart, you know, and with that, they think they know better, right? And th they are still not, uh, there is no knowing better. It, you know, when you when you apply empathetic reasoning, there are knowing different states that people are in and different experiences. And I think that's one of the kind of the challenges that event planners have is that they, they're, you know, they're smart and they know it. And uh, that gets in the way, I think, of the humility sometimes required to make empathy work. So just to take a step back from my personal experience, I actually feel like I've gained empathy since moving to LA. There was this joke about living when I was living in Vegas, designing events that I really had like four emotions and that was it. And I was just happy all the time. And I realized I was like taking that, those emotions and just like pushing them down and just and, and doing the day-to-day -day work. And so it is so vital to have empathy. And I think that there's a little bit of a taboo in the sense, or maybe because we're so quote unquote busy doing the day-to-day, -day, doing Nick, what you're saying about planners, just doing, knowing what to do and being so good at what they do, that we do take a step back and we're forgetting to put ourselves in the attendees' shoes. And that actually takes away from the designing aspect of it. Dustin, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm actually eager to get into these points. And, uh, and I want to hear your guys' examples on these points. So let's go. Yeah, I want to I wanted to set the table just really, really super quickly of like the three types of uh, empathy, mostly because I believe that people latch on to one of those as their definition of empathy. And really, there's three different kinds. And there's one that we can really work on. And then the other two aren't necessarily as something that are, are developable, developable, geez, uh, for uh, planners. So there's cognitive empathy, and that's the main one. That's largely conscious driven uh, and it recognizes uh, understanding other people's emotional states. Uh, this is sometimes called perspective taking. So this is this is a active type of empathy that says, stop, I want to feel what you feel. I want to try to see this as much as I can from your point of view. I want to be open and listen. And it's an intellectual thing. 
uh, emotional empathy is uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of appropriating other people's emotions. Uh, it happens automatically and unconsciously, you know, like you, you feel what other people feel. Uh, I, I experience this with kids a lot as I have them and I see a lot of kids. Uh, a kid hurts his knee and another kid comes up to him and like hugs them. They're doing it automatically. They're not intellectualizing. It's just it's just stimulus. Uh, and then there's somatic uh, empathy, which is the one where it's um, you're kind of reacting to things that you're seeing. Uh, in an unconscious way, similar to like, uh, give you an example of like, you watch a movie and somebody uh, throws a football and it, it, it hits them in the head and you go, ooh, ow, you know, and you feel, you wince, right? You make a physical reaction. There's no reason to do that. That person's not there. That's not intellectual. That's not trying to make that person feel better. It's just a uh, learned like behavior that's like built, built into us as human beings that we've evolved to have. Um, so, Cognitive empathy is really what we're talking about today. It's actually a practice. You can get better at it. There's no people are born with low to high empathy. It is a thing that it is a skill um, and you have to continuously work on it. So wanted to start there at least so we're all on the same page as far as I can think of empathy. I love that you answered my question before I even asked it. It's just, is this a learned skill? And it actually reminds me of when we talk about behavior science and how that's going into, that's like the next set of experience designing and just um, with, the, with the way that this industry is shifting. So how do you feel like then the, like the companies that we're a part of that sh should be in, you know, like, practice then like how do we then if we're if that's a skill that we can learn and that's something that i think we're all in agreement with to to doing design designing events then what does that take like what what, what can we do to improve that skill set i i can tell you just as the first point that we're going to be talking about today is the part that like i do work with the team that that does apply that uh to um, event strategy uh, so we do, we do workshops and we have a discoverable uh, discoverability uh, exercises uh, called a design lab. And this is with the Merits Design Studio. And we ask a lot of tough questions and we, we look at a lot of uh, event data to tell people what different types of people are actually doing at their events. Uh, and we also get to the heart of the emotion uh, behind the attendees, you know, like what what is their what keeps them up at night? That's a question that we have. Not so much of what kind of sessions did they go to, but really, what is their biggest worry? Will they? Do they think that they're going to lose their, you know, business in the next five years? Um, are they, you know, what's the what's the average, you know, entrepreneur who uh, flips, you know, gets out of this business in another business? Is it a passion business? We ask questions like that. And it helps us understand, based on other experiences we've had with similar behaviors, um, the, the psychology of the people going into potentially this event. And that happens at the strategy level because we're trying to determine what the organizing principle of the entire event is, like what's the purpose. Uh, we can't do that unless we know who it affects and how to affect them. Um, and so, yeah, in, in that discoverability strategy phase, I think that that that's where at least I have experience in, in utilizing empathy as a skill. So I've actually attended a design lab and cool. it was incredible. I was like, was Bo thought, get it? Was it uh, Greg? There was like all the top people were there and I didn't really realize that until after when I like LinkedIn researched them and it was such a collaborative, I honestly even journaled about it. I was like, this is like where, like it, it, it was so needed because I think a lot of times people just go into when they start a, a program or an event, they start thinking like, oh, budget or what's the restrictions or what's, you know, like they're not saying who are the attendees and why are they here? 
and how do they want to feel, you know, like accomplished or, you know, educated or, you know, like any, any of those, those feelings. And I think that's, that's where if you're not starting off with a great foundation or good understanding of what, what's needed and what you were saying, Nick, then it kind of, you're not setting yourself up for success then. It honestly, like it's a lot of really smart people that know that they're not as smart as they think they are. Now that's the, that's the clue. Like we don't know everything, right? So we're dumb and we don't do a lot of research in certain areas at first because we don't want our biases to kick in and be like, oh, this is this type of persona. You know, everyone's one of 10 people and they're, you know, they're the number seven. We don't try to do any of that stuff. It's, it's simply, you know, we're usually, we know we end up having good stuff, but we go in there just like dumb. Like, why, why would you come to this? You know, what, what's the purpose? Or I don't understand why are people getting up at the middle of this session? Or um, why, you know, why do you have such a hard time with this group? We just ask, like, what would be kind of, again, I always think of like the movie Big, where um, Tom Hanks's character is, you know, he's, he's grown up, he's in the toy meeting, and he goes, what's, what, you know, what's the point, right? Like, he gets that, that toy, and he asks that question, and everyone, no one understands how to even respond to that. And it's like, well, no, let's, let's get back to the basics. And empathy really allows you to step back and say, what's in it for the attendee, number one, not, not what's in it for the brand that I'm trying to push upon them. But, you know, how am I adding value to their lives and what are their lives like right now? I think that stuff is, um, you know, it's super important on the strategy side. But like, honestly, um, the design part is where you really have to be, I think, um, humble, you know, and also truly creative in a way that is not how most people, I think, judge creativity. Uh, I think people judge creativity on aesthetics often. Uh, and they judge it on arbitrary subjective stuff and not overcoming uh, and being accommodating. Like, I think that one of the coolest aspects of design is the fact that design can create win-wins. I love this. I think there's, you know, as as you're talking, I'm I'm learning as you're going. and And you really can see that we are designing with empathy more and more from when you look at brand execution and how brands are looking at the world and how they're attracting a new audience you can tell that there is there is a strategy of empathy put into it and connecting with people on a personal level and um and i think you made a great point when you stop when you stop thinking about the business of everything that you're doing and you start thinking of the audience and the person you can you can drive much much better results in allowing people to you know, and I say all the time, I say, I want, I want to create experiences that touch people both professionally and personally. And it's not always business all the time. And everything from, you know, my, my contributions with, uh, with, with associations and different conferences that I work with, it doesn't always have to be this straight up return on investment business. There has to be, there has to be a connection there. It's okay to, to have a, a goal that allows somebody to take something home, something that is not necessarily something they're going to take back to their office, but something they're going to take back to their life to make it better, which in turn makes them a better pro at whatever it is they're doing. Am I thinking of this right? Dustin, I love that you say that. Yes. And I just had a conversation just to build on your getting to like both professionally and personally, because even when you network, the thing that you learn is you want to actually get to know that individual. And I was just having a conversation with one of our supplier partners 
stating that I just don't know that individual. They, I don't think they any, know anything about me. And their brand and their product is amazing, but I'm not actually using them because I don't have that relationship with, with them, both professionally and personally. I know really nothing about that. And the, and the touch base on that that event, uh, David Adler, actually, a Bish, Bish Bash, talked about when it comes to designing with empathy as well, our, our role is getting even more complex. He talked about like parasocial relationship. And then he talked about like breaking the fourth wall and why we're getting more creative. And, you know, like the, the example he used was doing dinner and taking people through the kitchen, you know, like, and seeing, seeing it on that aspect. And then the other thing that was really interesting to me is he spoke about code switching and we're experiencing these cultivative, like, um, how, how do I explain it? There's, there's, it's not just one experience anymore. It's in, in this example, three. And so there's, when you're at a presentation, for example, there's the text game and that's like what you're doing even next, you know, like, Hey, Dustin, this speaker is horrible. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're experiencing and watching, but you're also having this whole nother level of, of your, your reality when you're communicating internal, like, via text there's also the physical like being in in that room but then there's also your social game and i actually did this during the presentation where i was giving updating like the rest of the people that weren't in the room on updates on what was going on there and so there's you when you put in empathy in design designing events you also have to think about well what's that individual experiencing now because it's not how it was back then prior to technology mm -hmm. And so it's it's really complex. It gets like more and more complex, but it's also really exciting too because people have to think about like planners have to think about those elements too because they are incorporated. That that's it's especially our phones. You know that's it's in our hands at all times. So how do you how do you then design? And I think a lot of times I, I hear more conversations and more strategy on you implementing your phone. You know versus saying put it away. You're you're being distracted. Yeah, I've had there's there's a lot of lack of generational empathy, but like as you mentioned when it comes to like the the idea of code switching, like I never really thought of applying the idea of code switching to like my own attendance. Like I've always just, you know, kind of taken it as kind of uh, uh anyone who is a minority trying to make their way in a majority world of like, you know, trying to pass, right? But there is a point of like a variation of code switching that people could do. That's really interesting. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, empathy, like when I think of um, events, like I think when someone is sitting down and, you know, everyone gets their meal except you because you have, uh, you know, a peanut allergy and there's peanuts in it and then you get, uh, you know, your food late or, you know, it's called to attention or there's saran wrap on it or, you know, it gets really yeah. early. Like I just think of that experience isn't the experience you want for everyone else, but you're excluding someone from the experience because you didn't do well enough in design. And it's not like you didn't design for it. You ticked mm -hmm. a box. So as a, an event planner, you did your job. As an experienced designer, you did not. And I think that like that bridge is empathy, right? Like you'd have to be able to have experienced that. And, you know, I try to, um, I try to attend a lot of events just as an attendee and just pay a lot of attention um, and, you know, sponge. And that's one of those things where I, I looked in the eyes, I felt the pain of that. And I'm like, this must happen mm -hmm. to that person 
all the time, right? So like not only it's not that you did it once, then well, yeah, well I did it once. And this is the like the tenth time this year or whatever. Um, and you had the ability to be the one that wasn't that and create that personal connection, like you mentioned, uh, that would personally make them feel good and potentially open them up then to being more receptive to the messaging and, and the behavioral change that you want to have, be it education, be it trade show, whatever it is. Um, you have to first see people and, and design for people before you design for them as a client, as a, you know, a potential client, as a, uh, you know, person to be, you know, impressed or, or any of those things. Like those are roles that are secondary to what you have to first cover, which is you have to make sure that you deal with them as a person. And I, I originally came from hospitality. So like that's kind of my general way of looking at things like, you know, like in, in, in hospitality and F&B, it's like, look, we think if you feed them well, everything else is going to just flow. Right. You know, and that's not that's not the whole story. Right. But but there is a little bit of truth to covering people's bases and making people feel like they are in a in, in a safe environment that that took them into consideration and all the things that really are hospitality. Um, and I think that's something that like marketing, like, let's say, digital marketing or print ads or social media, as far as exposing people to brand messaging can't accomplish. And I think that's one of the main differences for us is that we have the ability to um, take you in in a physical space and, and meet your needs um, in a way that is as, you know, um, I guess this is getting to the marketing part as personalized as you can, because like, personalization now that we have more and more technology and like the ads that come at you as an example are you know you you know i don't know you bought toilet paper a month ago and you know bought a month's worth and now you're getting ads for toilet paper because it knows that you know this is your time or whatever right like wacky stuff like that um we have to kind of follow suit when when we're doing experience design and we you know we have to um, i think not just say well i know everything about the audience already because i know them they're my people and then step back and say Maybe I don't. I need to learn how to listen. Social media didn't... listens too much, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why aren't we? Nick, and you said that, and I highly agree with you, and I actually did that when I went to Europe, was I just wanted to be an attendee. And yeah. I think we get so busy because we do, we do so much that we forget to experience what we're going to have the attendees, the guests, the participants experience. And that can actually, uh, internally, we actually had a little hiccup where there wasn't, they didn't experience a new uh, activity, the the performance team, and there was some logistical errors on that, but it could have been fixed if we were able to experience it first, prior to, you know, like pitching it, selling it. And, but the thing is, it's it goes back to being like, well, people won't make time or they don't have, they feel like they don't have time. And so how can you be empathetic if you're not able to really dive deep and put yourself in that attendee's shoes? Catalog, catalog your emotions in real time, document them when you're, when you're an attendee that was not part of the design of something. It's pretty, it's pretty useful. Like I've done it a couple times and like there, there was a lot of like anxious, bored, um, you know, stir crazy, um, hungry, you know, those kind of like marks. And then look at that as, you know, like, okay, well, we can do better in this or, but just to know that like there's, there's emotional 
feelings throughout, you know, uh, you know, point was made. Like I've, I've said that already, you know, where, where I'm like 15 minutes into a presentation and then like 30 minutes and I'm like, oh, no new information. You know, like so 15 minutes into it, I, I'm like bored. Stuff like that. Like once you do that, you, you start realizing like, oh, yeah, like this is somebody else is following an event by you know, color by numbers and doing what everybody else always does. And, you know, I experience these emotions. I wonder if my attendees are as well. And then you can start asking questions. Um, and I think that like an event designer specifically needs to be able to figure out some exercises um, that that make them more humble, more receptive, better listeners. And they need to be fans of the type of work they do. You know, athletes like as an example, like they, they play video games of sports, video games of the same sport that they play, you know, like, so they, they, they're in it, they're passionate about it, but they take themselves out of it a little bit to experience, you know, different points of view or just different relations or, or whatever, or they attend sports, right. But event professionals, people who design these types of experiences, um, you don't hear about like, okay, this year, like, what are the three, if I said to you guys, like, what are the three big conferences, you know, you're going to attend this year, um, for your industry, uh, that's one thing, you know, and there's sales reasons and whatever, but what are the three conferences that you're going to attend this year, uh, specifically to hone your ability to understand what attendees want? Mm -hmm. Um, we should, we should do that mm -hmm. more, I think. What do you think is, so if you're, if you're listening and you want to start, where's the starting point? Where's the thing that you can take to your business or your team as soon as you finish this podcast, what conversation should you start having? That's great. I mean, there should be an attendee of your events that you design who have no um, role whatsoever in the event itself, and they need to be a secret shopper or a not secret shopper, but they you need an attendee point of view. So when you have that wrap up event, you have someone sitting at the table saying, well, yeah, but you know what, we were all kind of hungry, or everyone was kind of saying this. And, and that is, you know, you weigh that against your uh, surveys, and you weigh that against your event data and whatever, but it is an emotional uh, barometer out there experiencing it firsthand. Um, and look, if you have somebody else that you know, that's an event industry professional who can see things, and you want that perspective, and you say, I'll do one for you, you do one for me. That's great, right? I mean, who wouldn't want? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Nick, that is like a new job, and I will be the first one to apply for it. Can you imagine? Like, oh, it is value? a job. Mm -hmm. oh, what experience? Experience audits. So we we do what? those at Mer merits too. So it's an experience audit. We we attend events um, as an attendee, and we we document things that we see, and and often it's trade shows. So we're looking at you know, the, uh, the trade show, um, people themselves, uh, the exhibitors and, uh, you know, we're providing third party recommendations. So the salesperson doesn't deliver bad news. Um, and also looks at the event data and contextualizes it a little bit better, but yeah, I mean, experience auditing, that's what that is. But what I'm suggesting it was, it's even, you know, that's no, no price. It's good community behavior is to go to a, you know, a, another person in your, you know, your city or whatever and say, how about this? I, you know, I know what to look for. You know, I'm going to tell you drape wines. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, you know, bleed on the screen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm as jaded and I see everything as you do. Uh, and, and also we're friends. So when I deliver it to you, it's not going to be, you know, me doing this because I don't like you. You do that for me. I'll do that for you uh, for some marquee events because I want to grow and I, and I want this feedback. And I also want you to, to really give me uh, your point of view, not so much as, um, 
not just the event professional stuff, but also like what what did you see people feeling? Um, we could mm -hmm. all do that, right? I think we could all mm -hmm. do that for other people. It seems like um, this conversation needs to get into everybody's post event surveys, and surveys need to mm -hmm. be need to be really written in a way that addresses this and gives you the real data on empathy and personal experience. And I mean, yeah. I, I respond to most surveys that I get, most post-event surveys, as long as they're not too long, I'll take the the few minutes to do them. And, and I often wonder what they learned from me by asking the questions that they asked. And I, um, I never, I don't know that I've, I've done a lot where I thought these people really care about my personal experience. They're asking about the, the experience as a whole, not about me within it. And I think, and I think there's, there's a lot of work that can be done there to drive some real, some real information um, in how you can put this into practice. That's a great point. I mean, I think that like throw out your boilerplate questions uh, and, and ask questions that each, each question in the survey must have an emotional mm -hmm. word. You know, that's one of the like I, I create surveys for people all the time. And like I would ask a question in a post event survey. What were the biases you had going into this? What were the misgivings you had going into this? Where, where did you think we were going to fail? Love that. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like stuff like that where they're like, oh, and did I, we prove hmm, you right? That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's fair. Right. That's there's no there's no bad events if you're if you're listening. Right. And there's no right. there's only growth. Um, and I say that as a strategist who doesn't have to be there and look at people right. in the face. So right. it's easy. <laughs> I used to. And, I, and I'm like, no, I've 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 done some bad events that were just bad. Uh, but now I have a, a clinical distance where I can be like, no, it's all good. It's just data. Uh, but the, uh, the one thing that I do know is that if you, if you get to the heart of, you know, uh, change in behavior, as far as the, is the idea of the questions, you need to have questions that, that start like, where, where did you start off? You know, do you, do you, were you, were you in a, are you in a pretty good place right now this year? At the, and when you attended this, you know, are you, are you dealing with a lot of anxiety right now? Like stuff like that, where you can like put that into consideration and weigh that, um, if people are being honest, then there's really no reason not to be, depending on, you know, how if it's internal, you get a lot of really skewed results. But external people are just kind of like, oh, yeah, if it's if you grab their attention, they're usually game. Um, I think that you just have to look at these things and say, you know, we're, we're you will not get the same results by doing the same work. And I think you have to just stop and, and just change this whole thing um, to the degree that I think one of the biggest benefits is in inclusion. Um, that's where I think that, um, I have been reading a lot about this HR buzzword, um, that I keep seeing over and over again around the idea of belonging, you know, like there, there was, you know, diversity and then there was inclusion. You're like, oh yeah, diversity is just kind of optics and we, we got, we got one of everybody. So we're, mm -hmm. we're doing good. And you know, then it was like the conversation went to inclusion. We're like, no, everyone should have a voice and impact and actually make changes because otherwise it's just window dressing. And then the next, you know, kind of level of that is the idea of belonging, uh, which, again, I work with a lot of associations. So, like, this is where the HR part of it really, um, you know, the, I see the bridge and it's it's really working for me in, in the stuff that I'm writing. Belonging is knowing that this is the right place for me to be, you know, like, and I think that there's, uh, like, these are my people, to Tui's point, you know, like, this is, this is, I should have them as a client. Like, we, we just gel. That's what we have to be able to figure out how to make. 
one thing I want to give kudos, uh, the email for Ilya Live 2020 just came out. And I actually, there was two points I want to just hit because I really felt like they empathized with the attendees that come every year. Uh, one of them was the later start time. And it, I'll just quickly read it. Because we know our community likes to connect after hours and stay out late, Ilya Live content will start at 10 a.m. Mm. each morning. And then unique venues. This year's event will move out of the classic conference hotel setting and will feature Ilya members unique and stunning venues across the city of san francisco i love that there's been so many times when people ask oh how was your like work trip and i said well i didn't leave the hotel i didn't even see the sun and so to be able to go and explore that destination is so incredible and i felt like oh wow they actually really hear us and they empathize and really understand this community you know like how many times I, you know, when I first started going to conference, going back to that recording when we were talking about conference tips and things, I felt like I was the only one that came to like that 8, 8 a.m. start keynote speaker. Everyone else was got, like not. You were the only one. I was always. And I wake I up the, like an hour <laughs> later and I check Twitter and I just like retweet uh, like things that were said as far as the keynote. I never attend an opening keynote. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm a little better now as far as staying out late, but I still don't wake up early. Uh, and I just, I've learned to fake it and, uh, you're absolutely right. All of us talk like, this is a lot of what an event brew is about. Like, these are all the things we really talk about. People need to listen, but boy, if we can't design our own events for ourselves, uh, you know, like, yes. like that's crazy. Right. And the, the 10 AM thing, like I saw a post about that. And I saw, I think it was Ilya Calgary or, or someone like immediately responded, you know, like hallelujah or some equivalent of that, that it's, you know, like that, that aspect grabbed their attention uh, for the intended reason too, you know, like it, it really resonated very quickly. So that's what you want, right? You want to be able to just give, give people what they actually want and not just well, all conferences start at AM, 8 AM. So we're gonna do that too. And that gives the attendees the opportunity to design their own experience and say, well, now here's a, a spot where I can grab breakfast with this person I, I you know, wouldn't be able to or sleep in if I needed to because I was not working all all evening and it through you know, into the early morning. And so yeah, I just wanted to give that, that kudos. Yeah. I mean it's it's the right thing for the right group. I mean, I could tell you in lots of groups where that would be a bad idea, where people go to bed at eight PM. Um, and they know their opportunity cost is super high, so they're out of their business and they want things, they want to succinct, they want to pack it in, they only go to one conference a year, uh, so they want to, and they, they can make it be tough, you know, quote unquote, and, and pack it in. And then there's uh, where I think that you're resonating why this works for you is the fact that we go to a ton of them and, um, you know, we're, we're different and then they address the difference. So smart. Was there any other comments that we want to like touch base on when it comes to designing events with empathy? I thought this was great. I, I think that there's, this is such a great opportunity for our pros to grow. Um, and it's, this is something that doesn't need a lot of resources. This is something that, that you don't need to put in a five-year plan for. This is something you just start doing tomorrow. And these are the things that are going to allow this, each segment of our industry to really stand out and to own our values. So, um, yeah, I thought this was a really great conversation. Doesn't cost money and it's not technical, mm -hmm. oh, you know, God. so the barriers that we normally have to deal with, yeah, like those, those two terrible barriers are not part of this. It's just a different way of thinking. Uh, it's a question asked after things are, you know, just, you know, done. 
and say, you know, have we considered everyone else's experience? And then it's a way of taking in the world throughout the year um, that is a little bit more alert, a little bit more eyes open. And again, tempering all of our smarts with some humility and saying, look, maybe I don't know anything and, and, you know, and being okay with that. And that makes you smart. You know, it really does. Oh, you guys, I feel like a little bit more connected with you guys. Like, (laughs) I feel like our relationship has like grown a little bit just from this one podcast. Empathy uh, at work. Sure. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's contagious, I suppose. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, look, this, I think, is a topic we could talk about little aspects of it, of of how it applies to strategy, how it applies to marketing, you know, personas and segmentation and personalization. We can go down a million different rabbit holes. We just wanted to wake you up as far as one of the core disciplines we think event planners really need to work on. Um, And and there's no the usual excuses aren't there. But if you have specific questions about, um, you know, how how you could be more empathetic in aspects of your event, we would love to field those questions and give you our points of view. Um, if you want to see uh, some a few resources we have as far as some cool books uh, around empathy and its relationship to design, you can go to eventbrew.com and we'll have the show notes uh, up pretty soon, uh, I guess, when this is up. Uh, and that'll have some links as well. I know I'm going to put some books in there. Um as well as transcripts. Uh, so in addition to that, if you have some empathy for our plight of uh, people who uh, really love the industry and love talking about it but want more people to hear, you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Spotify, uh, the thing that you're listening to right now, whatever that is. Uh, this helps us a ton and helps us find people for our podcast. And again, any of those specific questions, you can throw them uh, at us uh, via social media hashtag event brew or email us directly at event brew at hello endless.com anybody uh, have any other closing things or uh we are having some serious empathy for their time and ours phil very very fair awesome cool wrap it up thanks again for listening to event brew be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app also be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode See you next time on Event Brew.